I'm just saying there's this girl on TikTok that I follow and she does this like me at 12 and it's like around the time that the Twilight series had come out and so she'll like film herself like looking out the window at a tree and then like also like her mom and she's like what are you doing the mom's like what are you doing and then she's like nothing (laughs) she's like are you okay and she's like I'm gonna go climb a tree and the mom is like why and she's like I can't talk about it (laughs) and mom is like really what is wrong with you she goes I'm a vampire and then she films herself like sprinting outside um I think the more relevant problem though is that you have a tiktok as like a 27 year old woman and yeah there are much oh the betches guy has a tiktok and he's definitely older than me Again, I feel like TikTok is for young people like Gen Zers or right. millennials who are clinging to the illusion of youth. Okay, well then, you're so clinging. it. I don't make Here's the videos. illusion of youth. You're clinging. I don't make videos. <laughs> I just watch them. Yeah, you're lurking on TikTok does not make you any say, less You know what? This our podcast is a TikTok. Account. Our podcast. <laughs> we got a whole two followers and a like based off of that one post. So we're wow. famous is what I'm saying. We are so close to going viral it's because i really miss vine and that's the closest thing there is so internet people (laughs) denizens of cyberspace oh man okay should we maybe like start yeah sure we can start whatever we're we're here we're ready let's go we're loving it (laughs) all right you're off yeah i'm voted off the island thank you for your time we're done here I understand the tribe's decision and I wish you all the best. Kind of wishes. I don't have any roses for you. (laughs) Unfortunately, I don't have any roses for you. This was actually a super easy decision. Um, This was not difficult at all. (laughs) I did chop up all the roses and sprinkle them on his bed. Uh, Hey, Dale. Hey, baby. (laughs) Um, Okay. Hey, what's up? Hello, all you denizens of the internet (laughs) hey 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 i'm hannah hi i'm emma and welcome to another episode of the transcontinental tea and this week we're talking about sex baby yeah i'm sure my mom is super proud to hear that (laughs) but we're talking about it in like a really mature way you know those people who try to sound more mature by calling it mature Mm, we're not those people <laughs> we can't be because it would hurt me inside and out to Physically, say the word I'm, I'm incapable maturing of correctly <laughs> maturing i was maturing <laughs> oh no <laughs> um so we're talking about sex true we're having a conversation about the dirty but before we talk about sex we'd like to bring your attention more specifically me to a global pandemic um and it's going to be my tea of the week. So obviously with a platform like this, one has to think social consciousness. Sure. You know, you need to be aware. You need to be active. You need to be in the mix. Um, and my message to you is about the pumpkin spice famine. And um, although it may not affect everyone as deeply as it affects me, let me tell you as the core demographic, we are suffering. Uh, I tried to go not one, not two, not three different occasions to get a pumpkin spice latte at Starbucks, the benefactor that is unfortunately oppressing those of us who are basic bees and need pumpkin spice lattes this time of year. Relatable. Um, so I tried three different Starbucks, each with a different excuse. One okay. was, we don't have any more pumpkin spice. And I'm like, 
How? Are there, are there not pumpkins around at this time? Behind you, there's a giant billboard that says it's pumpkin spice season. And yet and still, here we are. There's no pumpkin spice. And you know what? I was like, Hannah, be cool. Let it go. You're a woman of the people. You get it. You're hip. All right, whatever. So I was like, do you have a TikTok? Because if not, you know, I, I don't. Um, I'm breaking the illusion of my youth. Um, so I went to a second Starbucks and again, to no avail, I was told we neither have vegan cream nor pumpkin spice. Okay, so well, now I'm just getting difficult. assaulted on multiple fronts. I'm sure. like, so first of all, I can't have super fun whipped cream that I can actually eat for non-dairy people on my coffee, let alone, I can't have a pumpkin spice latte. And the third time I was just incensed. Mm. I have asked you thrice. Can I please? Not once, not <laughs> twice. Give us the pumpkin spice, you know? And then sure. it just goes to like a dark golem place like Popcorn Farge. Like I, I need it. I'm sorry, that was Bane, I would like to tell you. <laughs> I just, I feel uncomfortable doing a golem voice. Because <laughs> you can't reference golem and then do a Bane voice. Close, don't. Fine, I feel like Bane. I feel like <laughs> Bane when he unplugs one of his nutrient plugs and he can't go on, okay? That's what I feel like. Wow. So PSA for everyone out there, not every Starbucks ha- still has pumpkin spice in this important time. So I would just like to point out to everyone, um, vote. Okay, this is my PSA. <laughs> this is why we need. Wait, who are the candidates for this PSA? Um, the candidates are Starbucks. Okay. And whoever runs their outreach and um, FEMA. I think they Naturally. should be. Naturally. I think <laughs> yeah. that they should be there. I think that they should have a um, platform. One would ask, where is the UN in times like these? So <laughs> uh, that was my tea of the week. I eventually, don't worry, guys, don't panic. I eventually went to a fourth Starbucks mm-hmm. a whole hour and a half away. I was there for a reason, but let's be honest, I would have driven that far for a Starbucks anyway. Most definitely. And received a pumpkin spice latte with soy milk and vegan cream, just like God intended. So thank you for your time. Okay. Um, I would just like a teeny tiny point that I would like to make here really quickly. Hannah, that's okay. a little speckle. Of a um, <laughs> um, that you further complicated with your weird requests. Okay, no. no, you further complicate Starbucks with your weird requests. I have a dietary need. I asked for sugar-free no. and that's the extent. Oh no, let's <laughs> go all the way back, ladies and gentlemen, to prep days. She used to do this mm. bodybuilding prep crap and she got like a no foam triple shot iced in the shape of stars with like one pump of sugar, but then like take it out. So it just knew the sugar was in there and then like, <laughs> I mean, just the wildest drink order. What was it? I can't even remember all of you the You got it exactly about. right, actually, honestly. You, you, you missed the part where I make them do a chorus line when they're making it. But I mean, that's like give or take if they have enough people, you know what I'm saying? So Yeah, um, it's called the Obnoxious Frappuccino and <laughs> it is available in Starbucks near you. My favorite and now that everyone is obsessed with like being super skinny because it is the um, 1950s again, there is like a bunch of people online who will release like, you know, faux frappuccinos that are really just like blended iced coffees. Mm-hmm. And they're really or good. Ice. Sometimes it's no coffee. It's just, <laughs> guys, it's just ice. And you know, like I can get behind it sometimes. I like a good frozen water. Um, but there's lots of versions of this now. So I'm not so weird anymore. It was just weird when I was doing it because I was the pioneer of really complicated coffee orders so yeah you're a trendsetter although maybe so, Middle street and the devil wears prada beat me to it a little bit i don't know 
Point being, order normal people coffee or don't order it at all. Thank you for your time. Okay. Um, speaking of first world problems, let's talk about your tea of the week. Well, I would just like to point out first that I um, am drinking wine again. I was on a Truly kick for a while, still on a kick, but- You still have Trulys in your house though, right? Yes, I do. Of course, of course. I never don't have Trulys in my house, but Truly, I always have Truly. <laughs> That's a little, little joke, a little wordplay for all of you guys out there. <laughs> if none of you have hit your head against the dashboard yet and stop listening. <laughs> Thank you. That should really seal the deal for me um, on that. But I was just wondering, Hannah, what you were drinking. I'm drinking sparkling water. I mean, it's who I am as a person. Well, sometimes you drink coffee and I want to give you the chance it's to talk true. about that. So it's actually um, 1047 at night for all of those who don't know the time difference between England and America. Um, so if I drank coffee as I normally would at this time of night to keep myself peppy and cute for the podcast... Um, tomorrow at work, I would be not only a zombie, but one of like the aggressive ones that's like foaming a little bit. I thought so you didn't work tomorrow. Was I wrong? I do. Um, I do now. They've switched us from every other week to every other day because they make poor choices. That's very sad for you. So yeah. So I'm drinking water and mm-hmm. living on my prayers. You might need to make some recording adjustments if that's the case. Keep going. Anyway, well, well it's too late? late now, so we're just going to embrace it. My team. Okay, listen, everyone, PSA. I personally, and I'm sure everyone like me, I wear headphones on public transport for a reason. And that reason is I want to be left alone. I have my own thing going on. I'm in a movie in my head when I like lean my head against this, like the subway window. And, and then there's like a quiet. Yes, exactly. There's like rain, even though we're underground somehow. I don't know. But um, there's a montage in my head of the movie that is my life. And you talking to me is interrupting this montage. And you are now my mortal enemy. Unless you happen to be what I consider attractive that day, in which case that has become our meat cute. Right. So <laughs> but I will give you an indication in that case. You know what I'm saying? We'll give you like a five, six, seven, eight, and then we'll start the dance number. Right. It's going to be like <laughs> multiple eye contacts at different, but me like being like, I can't look at you for more than a second per time, or you're going to think that I'm crazy in my head. That's what I'm thinking. You probably think I'm crazy anyway, but that's what's going on. Or- How does that work exactly? Like, is it like a sweep? <laughs> or is it like, yeah, is you it like a turn- one eye lean where you're like, <laughs> you have to turn your whole head and you go, no. Yes, no, yeah, no, like that. Um, I want it, but I shouldn't, but I want it. Like I when can't. you see a really expensive case made. Exactly. <laughs> but I usually just give in. Um, but no, in this case, it's like if yeah, I happen to. Be, later. <laughs> I want to talk about it. If I, um, if I look at you and I'm like, oh, he's attractive, usually there's like a small double take involved, right? And maybe and then, like a slow smile, like a maybe. If I'm wearing a mask though, so you can't see it. What <laughs> you caught is like a wrinkled eye, <laughs> so it sort of ruins the con, you know, the yeah, the atmosphere for that. But um, what I do is, and I feel like this applies in multiple different scenarios. Like if I'm making eye contact with you multiple times throughout one given like trip, in this case, then I'm probably interested to some degree. Or and here's where it gets tricky, guys. I think you're super creepy and I'm wondering why you're staring at me. Option B, 
It's more of a fear eye. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, is he still looking? Yes. Okay. Where's my nearest exit? Are there any other people who are also seeing this who could help? <laughs> um, people on subway do not care. So um, there is no one else to help. You're on your own. But in this case, with the story that we're going towards, not, I, I, it was the latter in this case, in which case. Yeah, we got that. I um, think everyone got that well okay let me let me just super clarify it was the latter i was not interested in i did not like him (laughs) now if you could do a bill clinton impression that'd be really helpful right i did not like (laughs) him i did not have sexual interest in this man um something like that (laughs) i just tweaked it tweaked it tweaked it a little bit i just tweaked it (laughs) i can see why he was confused <laughs> I'm getting my gentle torque can send a mixed signal. <laughs> I thought I was like, get away, get away. That's not what was happening, I guess. But <laughs> um, <laughs> this is going off the rails. Okay, let me reiterate. I wear headphones, so most men <laughs> do not talk to me. This man He's did not wearing headphones. <laughs> this man did not care about this this portion of my life. So we get off at the same station because. There's track maintenance in New York City right now, which means my train schedule's all over the place. So instead of continuing on the train, I had to get off and transfer. Okay. And we are walking up the stairs and he's like ahead of me. Um, but he notices that I'm behind him. I'm purposefully standing. It's an escalator. I'm standing like three or four steps down on purpose. Like I don't want to be close to a stranger. One can't go backwards, et cetera. Um, I mean, literally you can, I guess, but what an apt metaphor for life. It's just really hard. Mm. Um, um, so we get to the top and I'm once again, AirPods in, music playing, focus on where I'm going. He goes, he says something. And to me, it just looks like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I'm like, okay, I have to take my headphone out now, take it out. And I'm like, huh? And he goes, how do you get to 36th street? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I'm going to 14th. I don't know every street in New York city. I know that I fit in gloriously here, but I have only been here for two months, so I can't help you. Um, And then he goes on about like why he's trying to find 36. And I'm like, I'm trying to figure out why you're still talking to me, but here we are. Okay. Do you have a comment? I'll save it. I'll save my comments till the end. Okay. I'm excited. Um, So we're walking and I'm like looking around, just looking for like where my train is. I see it and I'm walking towards it. And he goes, you got a name, sweetheart? I think my New York accent's getting pretty good also. I'll just like to point that out. Yeah. Um, Hannah disagrees, but I disagree with her disagreement. <laughs> um, and I go- I would like to protest her protest. <laughs> <laughs> sure. um, and I go, everybody has a name. And that was where I was gonna leave it. But then he goes, oh, well, I'm asking for your name. And I was like, well, you didn't ask me for my name. You asked if I had a name. And I told you that I did have a name. You but responded with a Game of Thrones quote: "The man has no name." Uh, <laughs> um, I tried to do the walk away; it wasn't happening. So, in the moment, what I said was, "My name is Emma, and I am not available." And he said, "Oh well, you know, like this is such a classic tactic." And I want you to know, man, that we see right through it every single time. There's not a time when I happen to have a male listener, just so you know, <laughs> or women who. I don't know, also employ this tactic, or you know a man who does this, let him know that Emma said, I see right through this. I know what's going on. You cannot fool me. So when you get defensive and you say like, well, how do you know that that's what I was like asking for? All I did was ask your name. Like, 
and like this man said, and I told him, well, because I know how men are and I've been around the block a few times. So it's not would 36th not, street. We're <laughs> talking 14th, not 36th. Several times. <laughs> Multiple times because I get lost, but that's not what we're talking about here. So um, he continues with this, this like, oh, I can't believe that you would just assume that this is in that. And I'm like, okay, well, was I wrong? And then he starts like stuttering. He's like, well, I mean, you know, all I did was us. And I was like, okay, this is a great conversation. I put my AirPod back in and I continued walking down the stairs where I was headed. So that's my tea. And the moral of the story is don't hit on women in subway stations. Like I've had experiences like this. I'm sure you have too, where like you were physically facing the other way. You're walking or like making a movement Mm-hmm. And they're still talking at you as though you're sat in a chair, like leaning in. And you're like, uh, I physically can't illustrate to you how much I don't want to talk other than these movements. I feel like body language is such an important indicator. And any, any sane person should be able to like, like for me, and maybe it's because I'm a woman or maybe it's because I have a sense of pride and dignity but if I am talking Maybe it's because I have a teeny fiber of dignity. <laughs> but See, I'm, I'm so nice all the time. Hi. <laughs> right. But if I'm hitting on a guy, which most women apparently don't do anyway, but I have no problem doing. Um, anyway, if I'm hitting on a guy, especially a dude I don't know, and he is doing that tight lip smile thing, you know, like the white person smile when you're walking down the street in the Midwest and you're like, yeah, that when you're just like, hey what's up okay bye that's like what that smile portrays like don't talk to me goodbye <laughs> your hand is like a baby stop sign like mm-hmm. nope Just <laughs> don't do it um and he's like walking away from me i'm gonna be like okay i'm going to run in the other direction sprint sprinting full out sprint i need to escape the situation physically. just picks up phone a fire where and runs the other way hello <laughs> and the phone's like backwards and upside down um the phone is my hand <laughs> doesn't matter I, just, I honestly that's a rejection technique that i would love to try sometime if someone if this happens to me again i promise you i'm going to do this if this happens to me again I'm going to put my fingers in the shape of a phone up to my ear and go, hi, yeah, what's up? Nope, I'm on my way. Sorry, I have to take this. Um, <laughs> and then just keep going. Oh no, I'm going through a tunnel. <laughs> Hang on, I'll move. Sorry, I gotta, I'm sorry. You're sitting so close to me and it's interacting with the, like, the satellite. So I need you to skedaddle. Um, I would love to do that. And that's on my to-do list. But in the moment I panicked. So this is what happened. Here we are. So I think it's time for a break and then we're gonna sip on something. We're gonna do some flipping. (laughs) We're gonna sip, you know what I'm saying? Okay. I don't know what that means. The tea is exceptionally good today. (laughs) Who made this? Mm -hmm. Very delicious. It is time for sip on this. We are here to sip. That you've all been waiting for. Let's talk about sex, baby. I was on accident and we have been trying so hard to say things at the same time forever. So the really thing worried. is, if you say things at the same time, actually they're delayed because you can't both talk on Zoom. So yeah, I guess that's, oh, I mean, whatever. We did it. And that was the point. So it's beautiful. And that's what symmetry can do for you. And that's dead. So Emily, why don't yeah. you go? Okay. Well, I think that this is a very interesting and relevant topic to everyone 
And it's also something that we've talked about kind of extensively because we look at it really differently. Um, Not in a bad sense, just in a, like, we have somewhat similar experiences, somewhat different experiences, but we approach sex very differently. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think that there's something to be said for both those approaches, because I think most people subscribe to one or the other. Or both. Or both. (laughs) Been in both shoes. It's true. And Mm. now I'm wearing different boots and it's like, where do these come from? I don't know. They're new. It's a new thing. You probably have a platform because all of your shoes do. It's true. Well, I like the heel. What can I say? Um, okay, so... As a little person. <laughs> as a down here individual, <laughs> I want to see the world from up there. What's up? What's what's the weather like, truly? I'm tired of asking that question. I don't feel like... <laughs> the Little Mermaid song. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm getting an honest answer about the wind in this range. So <laughs> I'm here to find out myself. And I'll tell you, <laughs> it's mostly the same. <laughs> so anyway, my, <laughs> back to you. Um, my, my main thing I want to talk about this week is I read this thing on Reddit and it was a, I think it was on like unpopular opinions or something like that. But someone made a comment about how purity is portrayed in a religious context and they were saying you know it's really creepy in general how seriously like pastors and men of the cloth in general take purity and how they um basically tell women that's really all you have to offer to your future spouse so it's the most important thing for you to maintain if you don't have your purity you have nothing for your husband what are you going to give him you know and so i'll get him a sweater you have you have no choice learn to knit that's all you have left so listen i i i am on the ladder (laughs) i'm currently looking at how to make sweaters so here we are um sorry i actually do knit which is i do knit it's true so it's a little easier for me so future hubs you're set we're good um but you know the other comment was that it's not only sexist towards women it is sexist towards men in the sense that it sort of sets men up to be assumed sexual deviants and kind of describes them as like uncontrollable creatures like you there's like there's not the same standard for like male purity as there is for women so for like a man to come to a marriage is not a virgin is not seen as taboo or strange but the other side of that coin is they are painted as sort of like animalistic in that sense you know Well, and I think you can see that portrayed throughout culture as well. Like, I don't think that's exclusive to the church. Like, um, you know, not very long ago, a woman's dowry was only paid upon confirmation by a doctor that she was still intact, Mm -hmm. which is the medical term for it has her hymen. (laughs) Um, Never thought I'd say the word hymen. (laughs) Here we are twice in. Um, But it's also like, um, you know, there was a scandal recently in the news about like Lily... James, I think is her name. Mm-hmm. She's a British actress and she was spotted kissing an old British actor, um, Dominic West is his name. And he came out with like a story about how he's happily married and how he encourages like open relationships and how women should indulge more. Um, and basically just the dichotomy there of like, there is a very culturally prevalent, especially in Western society aspect, but very prevalent in Eastern society. Um, men can sort of 
do what they like and they get, you know, kind of congratulated like good old boys club. Oh, he's just being a boy. Oh, sowing you. those wild oats. So boys will be boys, you know. Um, and then a girl does it and is kind of demonized or portrayed as loose or somehow um, morally wanting compared mm-hmm. to the same activity from men. Yes. So. And I think that the word loose here is apt because there's this idea that the more men women sleep with, the looser they literally physically become. But that same argument is not applied to her sleeping with one man the same amount of times that she slept with somebody else. So I let's say a woman sleeps with 30 men, then there's all these comments of like, oh, she's loose, like literally, like it's ruined. Like that's what happened because that's how female anatomy works apparently. And it's but, not. It's not. I, spoiler, <laughs> it's super wrong. But if she sleeps with one man 30 times, the phenomenon does not exist, which is obviously in direct conflict with that theory in general. So I think it's much more of an implicit thing, though. I think it's a lot less explicit. Like, I don't think most people would argue out loud that that's why. It's more so like, oh, well, you know, they're, they're getting around or, oh, um, you know, there's something wrong with her. Mm -hmm. I think their external argument would be less about the anatomical things and more about the socio-moral compass side of it. Yeah, which once again, we see that stark difference in societal treatment of men who engage in, like, it's okay for them to do it. It's essentially what I'm trying to say. Societally and culturally, that's where we've arrived. And even religiously, we are at that point in time where it's it's definitely more it's like expected of men to do that which you could call sexism in a way but you definitely could you um also you you rarely hear that argument though because yeah it's more so like i mean that's operating under the assumption that men don't want to be having sex and i've never met a man who was like that in my life personally so right um so what's what's your approach to sex like how do you look at it? Well, to me, so I was a virgin until I was 21. And that was much later than all of my friends. And I never, I dated when I was in high school. And I didn't realize it was this creepy until much later in life. I dated guys that were in college. And so I was 16 and I was dating a 21 year old. And yep. in my mind, that's not, and at the time I was like, well, that's not pedophilia or like, you know, Super not, gross. not consensual or gross because that just means that I'm mature enough that he would take an interest in me rather than as I see it now, he's so immature women, his age don't want him. So he preys on young girls. On a minor. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that's what happened. And I mean, he definitely wanted to engage in sexual activity, but I having had a fairly sheltered upbringing anyway, it was not like, that wasn't just an automatic response from me. And I was very nervous and um, just kind of generally scared to explore that. So I didn't. And ultimately like that relationship failed because of it. And I was like even more put off then by the idea of it. I was like, well, that's how men treat you when they don't get what they want. So I don't want to give them what they want. Um, And after that, it just became a case of like, I, it's not about trying to save myself. It's more so about giving it to the right person. You know, mm. like, I don't want to be in a situation where I don't have sex with someone for the first time and not feel like safe and connected to them somehow. Right. So if we're not married. I still want it to be in a relationship setting. And so that's what I did. I waited until I was in a serious relationship. And that was, he wasn't a virgin. I was, and we had sex and we dated for like two years after that. So 
I would say, even though I, I had had sex with him at that age, I was not sexually experienced in any sort of capacity. And even now I would, I don't know if I would call myself experienced necessarily. Like, I think that's a subjective term and it really depends on who you're with. But in general, my approach is if you care about them and now in my life, this is where I'm at. This is not where I was at like five years ago, but sure. now if, if I'm in a relationship with someone, we're connected, I love them. They love me that I won't withhold it. Like for me, I'll probably do it. And it won't be to me a large deal. Now I have experienced the other side of that coin, having sex with someone in a relationship and then that relationship failing and it being twice as hard to get over because I've been that kind of vulnerable with somebody. Yeah. And there was also a time in my life where I kind of just gave it away flippantly, you know, like I just had sex. If I like, if I liked the person in general, even if he wouldn't commit to me, I used it as a sense of validation. So I've kind of been in like multiple stages with it, but now I'm at the point where it's like, I'm not seeking it out. I'm not having it just for the sake of it. I will wait until I'm with someone that I trust and love to engage in that sort of activity. It's interesting because I had like a very, I mean, we've talked about this millions of times, but I had a very similar experience with like the need for validation and seeking that Mm -hmm. through non-relational sex. So it was almost like a, um, I'd reached a point, I'll go backwards to kind of give a prequel, but I'd reached a point in like my early Mm twenties where I was so put off by not getting what I wanted in terms of a relationship. Like I'd never found somebody that I clicked with Mm -hmm. and I always liked somebody who didn't like me back kind of a thing. Um, and so I basically went into relationships are unimportant. What I want is the pleasure for me out of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I started having like not a ton, but I, I started having some, like what I would call casual sex. Sure. Um, And it was not only very unfulfilling, but it was also um, like you were looking for the validation out of that. And I'm wondering what would that mean to you? Like, what did that look like? What were you looking for in terms of validation? I was looking for someone to prove that I was physically desirable in some way. And because I had always previously associated sex with like emotion, I was like, well, once they have sex with me, they'll be emotionally attached to me. But in my experience, that's not how men of that age group really operate in their minds. That's not like they are able to compartmentalize and separate sex from emotion much easier than I can. I'm sure that like, you know, we have Samantha on Sex in the City and maybe she's a great example of women who are in that same headspace. Yeah. I can't relate to that. I've never, I've done hookups and I'm not good at them because I will get attached. I can't separate sex from emotion and that is why I don't just go over to some random guy's house anymore you know like if I met him like on a dating app like previously a few years ago I probably would go over I have gone over and hooked up with him and left feeling just kind of like gross and being like okay that wasn't what I expected but maybe next time it'll be better and sometimes there wasn't a next time and then I was left feeling sort of hurt and a little emptier than I was before I started yeah and I think I'll probably dive in here with like mine. So I, I lost my virginity at like 16 and a half. So I was very awkwardly logical about it. I was like, well, statistically, I probably won't make it through college without doing it, something. It. Mm-hmm. Um, it. And I was like, well, <laughs> it. Uh, and I was like, well, obviously in my astute wisdom as a 16 and a half year old, um, I know that 
I will regret it less if I lose it to the guy that I'm on again, off again with since I was 12, who's four years older than me. Mm. Ew. Gross. Um, but I was like, I would rather lose it to someone who I've known as like a childhood sweetheart kind of person sure. that I could look back on and kind of go, oh, rather than like oh, yeah. random dude in dorm kind of thing. Um, I didn't date in high school. Um, I just didn't, it didn't happen for me. Um, I dated a guy, I use the word loosely, um, when I was 12 and I thought we were in like an on again, off again relationship until I was 16 and a half. Plot twist. I was in an on again, off again relationship. <laughs> he, he was, was in not. an off again relationship <laughs> where he was dating as many other people as he wanted. Um, but that's who I lost my virginity to. Okay. Um, and I think the first thing that I learned about that I would look back and say, I've learned about sex is sex does not create love. Um, sure. It's not a building block. It's not a foundation for it. In my experience, it, it does the opposite. Like it can only closely tether love that already exists. It can't fix it and it can't create it. Right. Um, and so anyway, I, I went through the phase where I was like, um, I'm beyond relationships, whatever. Like I'm modern. I'm cool. <laughs> detached I'm a wild aloof rebel um and so I um I definitely went through the hookup phase as well and again like there is a piece of you that every time you sleep with someone that like little hole gets a bit bigger and it's because at least in my experience they they took part of my emotional consciousness with them Mm -hmm. like the metaphor is like a piece of your heart, but it's not that permanent. It's more so like there's a piece of you that stays with them, even if you want nothing to do with them, even if they're a disgusting human being, you don't like them. The fact that you have slept together and shared that vulnerability and that intimacy, it connects you to them in a way that you're not connected to anybody else. Right. And yeah, at least in my experience, having that happen with, especially people who did not have a care for me at all was really damaging. Um, and I think like the validation that I was seeking was just an illusion where I was trying to get them to say something that I needed to say to myself. And I didn't know what I wanted them to say to me. So there wasn't even a goal in mind. Mm -hmm. I just wanted them to prove that I was lovable and worthy of love by having sex with me, which doesn't make any sense. So in hindsight, it's like, you're trying to achieve a goal that doesn't happen through that. Yeah. I think also like culturally that is the conclusion that we're led to in a lot of scenarios because as young people were exposed to, you know, the Hollywood version of romance very early on and never has it not included sex, you know? Yeah. PSA movie sex scenes are a joke. Okay. First of all, go to the, what are you doing rolling over? Go to the bathroom, go pee. I'm sorry. What world? You (laughs) both just just roll over and go to sleep. What world? I'm sorry. What universe do you live in? I'm questions. I have them. Also like good for you. If you take like five minutes, but that is not the universal (laughs) female experience. (laughs) Um, But also like, I think sex is pitched to especially women as kind of an item on a checklist as like, Mm -hmm. this is how you can tell if you're meant to be with this person, you sleep with them. And then if you have good sexual chemistry, you're meant to be together. And that's such crap. Like, I know people who have 
amazing sex with people that they are like trash fire human beings yeah. and they don't want to be with them. Mm-hmm. So it can't be that only with the magical Excalibur, pardon the pun and metaphor, can you make a partner? Like it can't work like that. And so anyway, kind of tying back into what my viewpoint is, um, I, I went through the hookup phase. I went through the like kind of emotional trauma of picking the pieces back up after that. Mm-hmm. And I made the decision, um, this was before I moved to the UK, but I'd made the decision. Um, I'm not going to sleep with someone again until it's my husband. Um, I mean, I have a lot of, um, like trauma mixed in with my sexual past. So mm-hmm. there's the sexual past that I agreed to. And then there's the sexual past that I didn't agree to, which is a whole other podcast. Mm-hmm. But the point being, I had a lot of baggage to deal with when it came to both the emotional and the physical trauma of my sexual past. And so one of the things that I looked at first was, um, I was scared that guys wouldn't want to date me because the option of sex was not on the table. Well, that's a realistic fear in a lot of cases. And as soon as I looked at that with objective lenses, I went, then those guys aren't your guys anyway, because if they're only there for your sex, they cannot therefore be interested in knowing you deeply and having a relationship and building a life with you. So if you're going to be single, like honey, you're going to be single, but that, that option does not create a satisfying future relationship. Mm -hmm. And so, um, my fiance and I have not had sex. We will not be having sex until we're married in a month. Woo. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but honestly, like I've never had better dating experiences than when I know that sex is not on the table because it allowed me to eliminate gross guys who were in it for the wrong reasons. Right. Um, yeah. Um, I think that that approach is, it cannot be understated. If not, so I, I guess I don't feel like I subscribe to it in that, like I would like automatically not engage in that. But if I were to date someone who felt that way, I would be obviously willing to also participate, you know? So like, it's not to me, sex being present or not being present is not a deal breaker in a relationship. And that I think separates, or maybe like just takes me out of the possibility pool for many, many people. And that's why I think in general, I have a disdain for dating apps because there's like an automatic assumption that that's what you're there for, you know? Yeah. So, um, there's this, like, I almost have to like specify, like, I will not hook up with you, but then you do that. And people think like, oh, you're just playing hard to get. So there's really like no winning in that situation, which is so stupid. I'm like, I I am a woman of my word. Well, (laughs) and I think there's also this weird, like cultural kept secret that like somehow your life is better if you're having sex with people. Right. And every single relationship, if you follow like celebrity relationships, they're cyclical they tend to be devastatingly broken up after a few years. Like they change. We're not in love anymore. Love does not work that way. Like love is a choice. And I know that right. I don't maybe have the longest of romantic histories to fall back on, but I can tell you it definitely takes two people in the relationship, both choosing each other and both choosing their sexual boundaries to keep it working. Because for example, if you went into a relationship with someone who was not open to having sex before marriage 
it would be a lot of hard work on your part mm-hmm. because it's not a belief that you hold. So uh, it's, it's the same reason why I would never judge someone who is having sex. Sure. If you don't have the same foundational belief system, it doesn't make any sense to say to someone, obviously you're doing the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. No, if, if you don't believe the same things that I do to the level that I do, it's mm-hmm. totally fine. Yeah, I wouldn't say I don't, don't do you. I wouldn't say I don't believe in it. It's just not something that like I give, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm of two minds with it, right? Like I've never had a relationship where sex wasn't part of the deal. So I can't speak for it, you know? I hadn't before Luke either. So I understand 100% what you're talking about. Right. It's like a weird alternate universe almost to think about. Mm-hmm. But like I said, if I were, if I met someone and I was like, here's my past, here's me being open about it. Here's where I'm at with sex. Like, you know, I would prefer not to have it until I'm sure that there's like a solid connection here. And they said, well, for me, that solid connection is marriage. I could be like, I agree 100%, you know, like, I don't know that it maybe it's not like a strength maybe that I'm at yet to be able to say like, I'm withholding this until you like meet me in this place where we're both at together, you know, because I've never met someone who holds that belief either. Sure. So I guess like, I know plenty of women who are still virgins. And I know no men who are virgins. So I guess for me, sex is something you do like when you're in love with someone, but I also like per my faith, believe that it is something you're meant to save till marriage. I just didn't subscribe to it. And like, once you lose that, you, you don't have it. And that just kind of circles back to that weird purity argument that we had at the beginning, you know, but. Well, and a well, lot of people have asked me a lot about like my experience. Cause it's weird. Like most people who are in their late twenties who are engaged live with their fiance yeah. mm-hmm. or have lived with them. And my fiance and I have not lived together. Um, we haven't been on a holiday alone together. And it's for that reason, because, um, you know, I, it, it's hard to explain to someone who doesn't have any foundation for it. Like you're saying, like, if you've never had a relationship without sex, the idea of that is foreign and weird. Um, and I, the thing that helped me to understand it in terms of when I was deciding my boundary, because I think it's all about personal boundaries and setting your own and mm-hmm. knowing comfortably that you've made that decision for yourself based on what's aligned with your core beliefs and not for anybody else. Cause mm-hmm. I've definitely made decisions in the past that were aligned with, I want this to go a certain way, or I want this outcome rather than this is what I believe. And this is what I want to do. Um, but basically the, um, for those who don't know, um, Emma and I are both Christians. Um, but the biblical perspective on why sex should be safe for marriage is rarely explained. Mm-hmm. Um, skewed most of the time it's skewed a lot of the time. It's often, you know, anti-feminist. It's, it's very difficult, especially in the States culture of like biblical scholarship to understand it. Essentially it's so good. And it's so precious that only the bonds of marriage can make it work. So if you were to buy a house with someone, um, you guys have agreed, you're going to buy the house together. You're both excited about the house you decide I am going to pay for the house entirely. You don't have to pay and um, don't worry about signing the mortgage. There is a lot of people, there are a lot of people and there is a lot of trepidation that would go into that where they would go, that's a really bad decision. You have no guarantee that this person is going to stick around. Right. Like, why are you putting that much financial risk into something that has no guarantee of staying 
you have no you have mm-hmm. no leverage to keep them. Essentially, marriage is the I agree to choose you even when I don't like you. I agree to choose you even yeah. when I don't want to choose you. Definitely. And so that risk, that vulnerability, that amazing fire and passion that you can have in a sexual relationship is only containable in those bounds because mm-hmm. you both have agreed we're we're not going anywhere. So that's that's why I look at it the way yeah. I look at it. And I think that I would like to be in that place. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I feel like I also live in a place where it's really hard to be in that place. It's so. never easy to be in that place, even when you're in a relationship with someone who is also in that place. Like yeah. it is yeah. hard. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, because it's argue, like argue it's instinct. I get that argument. It is hard, but you're also a person and not a hyena. So yeah. you can choose just like you choose not to steal the lip balm that would be much better in your pocket than to pay for, you also choose right. <laughs> not to sleep with someone or to sleep yeah. with someone. I think that, like I said, that's like, I would like to arrive. And like, I have abstained for like a while now. Like I'm not actively seeking it out. I'm not actively having it. Like, like I said, I'm beyond that place in my life where I would just do it for the sake of it. But I, I think that if I were to date the ideal Christian man that I want to date, that would be something that I would make part of like the deal, so to speak, you know, like, but I haven't met that person. So I guess I don't want to put myself in a place where I'm like, I guess I'm just not sure, you know, my, you don't want to th- risk your singleness on a guy that you don't know yet. As soon as I explain to people how I feel about it, they immediately expect me to be judging them for their sexual oh, yeah, definitely. decisions. And I don't. Sure. I, really don't like well, that's because they don't know that you have also been in that place you know? right like I am not you know the pastor's daughter who has never experienced anything and who judges you based on what I read like I have lived I have lived and <laughs> I have found it to be less satisfying than all the movies portray it to be mm-hmm. and I've made this decision in and of myself if you're having sex honey I have nothing but love for you. Like good good for you. What I would say is if you become unhappy, this may be why, like that's, this was why for me. Um, I'm not going to sit there and be like, Oh, you're having sex. You're a bad person. Cause that doesn't make any sense. Well, it's something that people take and try to use as the reason why they should stay in a relationship versus why it might be ruining a relationship. It is CDs in his truck. Just leave. Karen, Lisa, let's talk. No, like really though, because like you go, and I've had, I've had this argument with myself. Like the sex is so good. Like that must mean something because insert Hollywood agenda here again. Um, and m- mainstream advice. Like this is yeah. not all right. Hollywood's if fault. It's, this is also like a cultural Western. Yeah, there's like, if it's good, then like clearly, but there's also the counter argument of like toxic sex tends to be really good because you both hate each other. But again, this is why, like, I really take issue with using sex as a checklist item to prove yeah. that this is your person. Yeah. Like it, there are people who you should really not be with, who you could potentially have amazing sex with. And that does not, a yeah. does not get you to see. And I think the other thing that um, people ask me about is like, aren't you afraid that you're going to have bad sex? And I think when you love someone, you find good sex. Like yeah. it may not happen instantaneously but like good sex is not restricted to a person or a set of circumstances it's built by people who care more about the other person and their enjoyment than their own 
and therefore you learn about each other and you eventually connect into good sex. Mm -hmm. I don't think that having like subpar sex with someone is a dangling threat. Cause that was my other thought when I was in like the hookup phases, if I ever stopped this, how would I know that our eventual sexual chemistry would be there? And it's like, if you have emotional chemistry, you have trust sexual me, chemistry. <laughs> you yes. will have sexual chemistry. Yeah, I think the like best sex of your life, the, other. Your, the best sex of your life is going to be with someone that you have a deep emotional connection to. Because again, it's, that's why you take, they take a piece of you with them. It's, right. it's a soul connection because no one sees you that intimately no one has access to your innermost self in the same way as Mm -hmm. a sexual partner Mm -hmm. and again you can downplay that and you can say that it's not you know it's not that big a deal it is um it's the most intimate you can be with another person other than like childbirth it's an interesting i mean that's a different kind of intimate (laughs) i'm good on waiting on that personally yeah Uh, (laughs) thanks so like i also think if you're in let's just save this for fans too because this is going to be a whole other thing I was going to say you're in this space like have a time to talk about it that isn't your first date right yeah we have that that's very relevant to fans to you so we'll just do a little bit of a break here and then we'll talk about it coming okay so we had ended our conversation with basically alluding to our fans tea topic which Hannah is going to introduce to us so our fans tea this week we didn't want to look up advice questions like we've been doing just because it felt too generic for what we were talking about, especially because it was something that's quite personal to both of us. Um, so one of the questions that we came up with was what is it like having the conversation with a person or partner about waiting to have sex? Um, and I'm going to spearhead this one because I'm the one who's done it. <laughs> um, Relate. Both it's. Um, so, um, one of the first things I would say to myself looking back, because I had a lot of anxiety about what it would be like to date without sex. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, there was like, there were a couple of guys that expressed interest in me at work or like in like a dating app context. And as soon as I made it clear to them that I was not interested in hooking up, they like shrank back and they were like, right. Ooh, Ooh um, that's not going to work for me. I'm a free spirit. <laughs> so I was like, Oh my goodness. Like this cannot be everyone's reaction. Sure. And if it is like your girl is going to stay single, I've been single. I'm going to stay single. It's fine. Mm-hmm. But I was looking at it as like a, a sort of Damocles kind of thing. Like it seemed like this looming threat of a conversation that I had to have. Yeah. And at one point I was like, I think the only way to do it is by sending them a picture and it, it's like a little nightstand and an arrow that says table and then sex over in the corner, <laughs> not on it. So um, in case you're wondering, sex is not on the table. I so send memes the- to portray my uh, beliefs. Thank you. <laughs> one of the first things I was, I was thinking though is like, um, and this is what happened in my relationship with my fiance. Yeah. Um, we had a boundary conversation, probably two weeks into our relationship just to set the boundary because like he's the kind of person that he didn't even kiss me on our first date and I was like what like I I was fully like expecting if you go on a first date you have to kiss because that's how you know if the frog turns into a prince that's the only way so um (laughs) it's science so I have been um, taught this the academy (laughs) has been present the Supreme Court is in Um, session (laughs) so 
we had a boundaries conversation mm-hmm. wherein we talked about things like um how far is too far um because yeah. there are way bigger boundaries in your relationship and way smaller boundaries than just we are or are not having sex at a given point in time there's yeah. um when do you want to kiss with tongue because believe it or not not everybody does not everybody does it on the first date do you want to touch things over the clothes or under the clothes or you know all sorts of you know very birds and bees kind of conversations Mm -hmm. that you could probably and should probably be having with your partner especially if you're looking to withhold or wait for sex Mm -hmm. um I say withhold because there are people who want like a 90 day or like a six months or they have a a date in their brain upon which sex is allowable versus um (laughs) like without like you're waiting until you're married or you're abstaining um and the second thing is, again, I would have warned myself and I warned anybody else. If you're having this conversation, don't have it arbitrarily to test a person. Oh Only gosh, have no. it with someone that you could see yourself dating in serious form. You find attractive. You have a lot in common because I think you'll get a lot of false positive rejections. Like what I got with the guys who were interested in me that just weren't right at all. Like the guy at work. Um, <laughs> my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Like he had just broken up with a girl he was dating also at work. Yeah. He was about 12 years, my senior. And he was interested in like flirting with me, chatting with me, whatever. And I was open to it. Like he's an attractive guy, whatever. And then he ended up taking me to this birthday party where his ex-girlfriend was because the birthday was for a mutual colleague of ours. So it was mm-hmm. like all work people. And he essentially got like wasted and offered me to stay in his motel room with him. And I was like, huh, no, um, <laughs> <laughs> the firmest of no's, warmest regards. And so, um, but anyway, don't have that conversation quickly to see what guys say, because you will get a lot of no's because these are not the guys you want to be having it with anyway. I would also um, say don't have it too late either. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, don't be like in bed and be like, so we should talk about our sexual boundaries. Like you're making um, out and it's like, the, obviously the moment's approaching and then you're like, I should tell you. Like that's too late. I should tell you. Yeah. Another day is what you say to them. Another day. <laughs> Try to do that unless you're planning on bursting into song, in which case that's a great thing. Take um, the moonlight out of your hair, leave the room. <laughs> Do you have anything? Get it out of your hair. Um, Where's your candle? Take it with you. Do you have any other like thoughts on that? Because I think that was probably the biggest obstacle to me trying this was the conversation that I would have to have with guys Um, and accepting that guys would want to date me without that possibility. Okay. I will say that I I fear this conversation because I know what 90% of men are going to say. And it feels like rejection when you have that conversation. And I don't know if I fear anything more than I fear rejection, which has stopped me many times from pursuing men who may have otherwise had an interest in me. I can't say if you're listening and you have an interest in me, you just tell me first because like, that's, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Like I would never ask a guy out because the one time I did, it went badly. So (laughs) I can fully understand. I mean, I've asked like strangers out. Like if I see an attractive guy somewhere, like when COVID wasn't a thing and you were allowed to go in public and interact with humans, um, I definitely would approach a guy. And most of those times 
I do feel like it's very much so like sexually um, motivated. So they were not so apt to say no, because if you go up to a guy in a bar, I think their automatic thought process is like, this girl wants to hook up. You know what I'm saying? So I keep holding out my head. I want head. to know your thesis on the meaning of life. Um, <laughs> what do you think about Middle Eastern politics? Um, that's my question. No, um, I think I keep holding out my head for like that meet cute in a bookstore where we both reach for the same book or we like are so focused on our books that we just bump into each other. And that's how I know it'll be real. But until that happens, <laughs> like I probably won't ask a guy out. Um, I think that the way men make their interest clear in you is so much more subtle now that social media exists. Like maybe they like, like all of your stuff or maybe they like mm. watch your stories a lot. But then I've also misinterpreted those because I want to read into it when I shouldn't, you know? So it's so, there's so much gray area that. I also think the God's honest truth is exactly is he's just not that into you told us if he likes you he'll make something happen yeah like yeah but I also my fiance wouldn't say boo to a ghost and he (laughs) still managed to spend time with me get a word in edgewise yeah and ask me to get a drink so like but I also think it's difficult like let's say like the person you're interested there's a distance between you like am I going to hit on someone who lives in a different state than me probably not because part of me in my mind is like oh that's not realistic why would you set yourself up for a long distance relationship if you don't have a very compelling reason to do so? If you don't know that you already get along. Right. Which I think there are some cases in which like, maybe if it's someone from like where you're from and you've had like a big interest, maybe when you go home, if you happen to like interact with that person, maybe then you could explore that. But I don't think either party would necessarily jump into that scenario, you know, beyond like maybe some sort of, interaction on social media in some capacity but like that like I said there's no clarity in that so I would say in general I ever since at least in Georgia maybe it's a little easier because it's the bible belt so people are more compelled to like be open about like a faith that is not the same in New York City so having that conversation is very difficult here and as a result I haven't really tried to seriously date because I'm afraid of having that conversation because I kind of already know what the answer is going to be and I think maybe accepting that again like what we said those no's if you are somebody who is interested in not having sex until you're married the no's that you'll get are just guys that wouldn't have made it through the rest of the threshing process anyway I think you get to Um, a point though where you're like like uh Gigi and there's he just that into you she goes there's not gonna be anybody left (laughs) (laughs) yeah um but I think I think like life disproves that. I mean, sure. But I think it's easy to convince yourself that you're going to be alone forever. (laughs) And yeah, I I definitely had that moment with myself where I was like, well, I guess this is it. We should be in the dogs just chilling. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Because they have a one track mind and it is to have sex with as many people as possible, which means that you are neither special nor significant. Yeah. Yeah you don't take anyone else into the bedroom with you or home with you at night, except for yourself. Place more value in yourself than you do in the eyes of someone else Mm -hmm. seeing you. So like, don't expect someone else to fill that value for you. Because again, the validation of guys is so transient. It's so movable, especially depending on how many guys you're seeking it from. Um, 
and it never really fits like the, the Cinderella shoe. You always lose a toe. Like mm-hmm. it never really slips on. Um, and it's like, aha, this is what I've been looking for. Um, because it was never meant to come from a guy like that right. validation should come from within. It should come from you. Yeah. And again, if you're a person of faith, it should come from a higher power than you, an external yeah. source. Yeah. So, I definitely want to keep it like relatable to all parties and not everyone that listens yeah. is like a religious person. So however you find that validation, as long as it's not coming from anyone else, yeah, then, then it's right, you know, but obviously for you and I, that is definitely like faith-based. So yeah. And, and I can only speak from that perspective because that's been my experience, but a hundred percent, it should not come from someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Of that. I am sure. In conclusion, if you are like for myself, if you're looking for a relationship to create a state of happiness, you will never find it. And the illusion that sex will somehow bring about that happiness is a fallacy. And no matter how many guys that have great resumes you search for that in Mm -hmm. it, you will never find it. It's not real. Right. It definitely, regardless of where you draw it from, it needs to come from a source that is not of man, so to speak, you know, like, because humans are fallible and we are imperfect beings and. Yeah. And I, I think I would probably be remiss if I didn't say, um, as someone who's been through multiple sexual traumas, like I have been in a couple of scenarios where I had sexual encounters that weren't my choice. Mm-hmm. And you might look back on that as a person who has had sex voluntarily before and think I've done this to myself. Like right. I have chosen this or this is my fault and it's not. Right. Um, if you would not have consented to that activity, that is assault. Right. That, that's how that works. Even if you have done the same thing with other people. However you define promiscuity, that is not an excuse for anyone to take something from you that you did not freely give them. You know, so you can sleep with 20 people. And if number 21 pressured you into it and you didn't want to say yes, that's not consent. So don't you don't remember it. anything. Right. Not your fault. Is not, consent. not consent. Don't twist it in your head just because you've had, let's say like for me, like I, I'm not like on my hands and feet, but I've had sex with more than, you know, five people. If the sixth were to take advantage of me in some way, I'm not going to sit there and say, because I've had sex with five other people, then that makes that experience invalid. It doesn't. And it's, it's a mental temptation to do because you feel guilt and shame. Most definitely. Yep. Um, It's a, it's a, that is a standard response to trauma and assault. It's true. So I really, I loved this discussion in general. I feel like it is so relevant and it's definitely sex in general in relationships and outside of it. That is something that I still struggle with because they're, at least as a woman, there is a pressure associated. Yeah. And this idea that like, you are not wanted unless you are willing to give up this part of yourself. Yeah. (laughs) So as much as I like want to say that I am a strong enough person to say like, no, I'm not having sex with you until you agree to marry me. There's a part of me that wonders if I would maintain that if I genuinely had feelings for someone who did not feel the same way. And I think just to kind of close the loop, if you're somebody who you might fit into either of these circumstances, you might fit into none of them and you might be doing something completely different. Yeah. But if you're doubting your decisions, just know that you're not alone. We're all trying to navigate this and we're all 
attempting to make the right choices for ourselves and to respect our own boundaries and to Mm -hmm. find love. Um, So don't degrade yourself and don't feel like a failure for making a choice that you later realize was not the right choice. Because as Emma said, you don't regret things you learn from, like it, it will, it will have served you in some capacity. So Most definitely, you know, that we're on your side. We're not judging you. We're here for you, babes, male, female, whoever we're, we're here just for it. Tea. We're just trying to sip and discuss. And that's this what we did. A deep sip. So it really was, we'll try to keep it. it. I think next week will be a little more of a, like an actual sit versus like a gulp, which was this week. Yeah. Next week we'll do something comedic and light to juxtapose. So that was really great. Um, I'm so happy you guys joined us. Please don't forget to DM us, Instagram us, email us. We're on Facebook, Spotify, Apple. We're on all of the apps. So just search at the transcontinental tea. You'll find us. All the socials. We can feature you in our fans tea at your discretion. We can at you or leave you anonymous. So yes, write us your questions. We want to answer them. So we're so excited, but thank you guys so much for joining and we'll be back next week. I'm Emma. I'm Hannah. And that was the tea.